Okay, so today we're going to start um, looking at the character of God. We're not going to spend too much time on this, right? So, like, um, the last time that I that I'd kind of talked through this study that we're going through now, like, we actually went in and spent a week on each and every individual uh, attribute. Um, Dustin's done a pretty good job. You put that online as well, right? So all the all the like attributes of God, the character of God stuff is like there's some resources out there if you want to kind of dive into that. So um, what I'm going to do today and in in the weeks to come is we're going to look at the two major categories, like when we examine God's character, the attributes of God. There are kind of two main categories that we group those into. <coughs> those are those are known as the communicable and incommunicable. The way that you could think about that is the ways, uh, like like the the incommunicable attributes of God are things that that you could say of God that you could say of nothing else, right? Uh, so we're going to explore those today, and then the communicable attributes. Those are the things that we share things in common with God, and, and those would fall into that group. So we're going to be looking at those two major groupings over the next couple of weeks, and then we'll look at how the church, after that we'll look at how the church has kind of typically uh, looked at these things throughout history. So when we think about how God differs from us, these are the, these are the areas that we're going to look into today. Um, we're going to look at the independence of God, or, or you could call this the self-existence of God. Uh, we're going to look at the unchangeableness of God. And, and when we say that God is unchangeable, what do we mean by that? And what do we not mean by that? We're going to look at the eternal nature of God. Um, uh, like, like I'll say this, like God is eternal in a way that you could never be eternal, right? Like, like we think of everlasting life for us, <clears throat> but you had a distinct beginning, right? You are a created being. When we speak of God's eternal nature, God is eternal in both directions, right? And 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 even to say that is like like that's just to get you to thinking about it, right? But that's really like a misclassification of what it is to some extent because when we speak about God being eternal, like God is eternal in a way that he is existing outside of time itself. God is timeless, right? So we're going to look at, at that today as well. Um, God is omnipresent, meaning that God is everywhere at all times equally, right? So like we're going to we're going to kind of dig into that cuz what we don't mean is that there's a part of God here and that there's a part of God there and that there's a part of God over here, right? Like God is equally present in all places at all times in in such a way that we could say that God is timeless in his um, in his in his eternal nature and then he's spaceless in his omnipresence right like god is not partially here nor there god is in all places at all times with his full being and character and then um another kind of attribute that we're going to consider um about god is god's unity this historically has been called god's simplicity um in in recent years, as it as it's kind of communicated, um, the term unity, the unity of God's character, tends to be used because we think about simplicity differently than we should. Like like when we talk about God's unity, we're going to be talking about how God is not made up of parts, right? So like God is not part loving, part um, you know, part 
kind part something right like like God like all of the attributes of God that we would speak of all of them are present in all other attributes right so God's justice and love are not two separate things right but they're unified so that when God acts right because and this is this is why I think that this is important because a lot of times when we speak about God especially like in the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament like you'll hear people say things like the God of the Old Testament like he somehow changed right well if God's unchanging in his character right then everything that he did in the Old Testament He was acting as much in love as he is in the New Testament, right? So that's what we mean when we speak about the unity of his character, is that in no point does he set aside one part of his character to act, right? Like he does not set aside his justice to act out in love, right? That's why the cross is such a fundamental place for considering God's character because there we see that he's both just and the justifier, right? Like we see this, this unity of God's character in the way that he acted out through history to save us, right? So we'll see that. And then we're going to think about how we differ from all of these. So where God is independent, we'll find that we are dependent, heavily dependent. Where God is unchangeable, we'll find that, that we do nothing but change. Where God is eternal, and, and, and when we say that God's timeless, both past, future, uh, we'll, we'll see that we are created. And what does that mean for us? <clears throat> when we think about God's omnipresence, um, we'll, we'll consider how, and, and I couldn't really come up with a better word for this, but how we're limited locally, right? So if God's present everywhere at all times with His complete being, <clears throat> excuse me, then what we're going to find ourselves is that we're very limited in our locality, right? Like, I am here now and only here now, right? So like, what does that mean? And how, do, how, do, how does God differ from us um, in these ways? So we're going to look at, at, at for each of these, um, probably just one um, passage of text um, so that we can kind of try to, to get through all of these um, in one class today. Again, I would push you uh, towards um, the resources that Dustin's uploaded to his podcast um, from when he went through each of these uh, each of these things kind of independently and, and spent some time uh, some time digging into that. So if you would, as we consider God's independence or self-existence, we're going to look at two different places uh, for this. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1-1 first, and then we'll flip over to Acts chapter 17. Um, so Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 so when we speak of God's self-existence or his independence I think this is one of those places um, where we see from the very beginning of scripture it's speaking um, it's speaking to God's uh, independence from nature or from creation itself um, something that I, I don't know that we that we that we understand the significance a lot of times of this single verse um, Chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 1 says, In the beginning, 
God, right? So I just want to kind of pause right there, and I want us to get this, that when we consider um, ancient religions of the past, right? Like creation, for the most part, was always assumed to be eternal or in some way co-eternal with these gods, right? So like when you think about like like ancient religions or ancient mythology and you think about like the stories that they tell, gods come out of something, right? So like something, something happens and gods are formed or right like so like this idea that God is eternal right is something very specific um, and very clearly laid out to a people when when this scripture is given that this would have been a that this would have been a concept that it's like this is like Note how it's assumed in the writing here. In the beginning, so there was a beginning, God, right? So it, like, scripture does not feel like it has the need to explain, well, where did God come from, right? God, God is assumed to be eternally present at the very onset of Scripture itself. In the beginning, God. So God is and God creates. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's everything. So all that is, is created other than God Himself. This is angels, this is demons, this is me, this is you, right? This is everything you see around you, everything that you could ever come in contact with, right? This is time itself created. In the beginning, God all and, and this is what, like we can't even say already because when that word in your mind presumes like this passage of time, right? So if I say already, then you you're rewinding time in your mind, but that's not what took place here. There was no time and God spoke time. Right? God is eternal outside of Time. God is not bound by time, right? God is independent of time. God existed prior to time. God created time. God is independent of the creation that He made. He need not create, right? Like He He. When we when we consider this, one of the like like as I consider God's independence from creation, right? Like you have not you, but I say people have this misconception that God was somehow lonely, right? If God was lonely, then He had need, right? God was not lonely prior to creation. He did not create you because He was somehow lacking. And in need of someone to love, right? In the God, and this is one of the this is the beauty of the of the reality of the Trinity, right? Is that before God created, God showed love from Father to Son, from Father to Spirit, and all around, right? God had community amongst Himself in the persons of the Trinity. Prior to creation. He was not lonely. He was complete. Right? Independent of the thing that He created. So when He created, He created because He chose to create. He desired to create. He was not required to. Right? He was not dependent on. He could have just as easily not as He did. 
But he chose to create, right? He's independent of creation itself. Let's flip to Acts chapter 17. So flip with me over to the New Testament now. Acts chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 24 and 25. So I'll give you all a second to get there. So Acts chapter 17, 24 and 25. We're going to read, we're going to read uh, 26 through 28 um, as we kind of wrap up at the end. Um, so you'll probably want to go ahead and just bookmark right here. In Acts 17, because we will be back. But right now, let's look at verse 24. So God, who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Right? So is God in need of anything? Right, that's clear through this text. I mean, he's he, so let's let's read it one more time there in twenty five. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Right. So not only does he not need anything, but we're going to see that mankind needs him, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Right. So God is completely different from us in this regard is that He needs nothing. He is self-sufficient. He is the only one that can, can make the claim of, I am. Right? I am that I am. None of us can make that claim. Nothing in all creation can claim to be what it is in and of itself. Right? So God is who He is. Independent of any outside agent working or acting, right? God is who He is, right? So let's let's understand that uh, that differs from us, right? Like like that's not something that we can say of ourselves. From from the moment of conception, for us, we had no decision in that, right? We were dependent on others' actions to for our existence. To be right now in this moment, you live because He gives life to you, right? Like you are completely dependent on Him for that. He is dependent on none. He is and will always be and has always been. And when you hit that point where you rewind and time runs out, He continues on, right? In a way that we can never be. You will always be bound in time. Right? You will always be a created being. You will always be finite in your existence. Always. Always. In eternity. Always. Right? You will always be dependent on Him. You will not grow up to be a God. Right? That's not, that's not what happens. Right? When we pass from this life into the next, we become no less dependent on Him for our existence. Right? We become more aware, I'm sure. Right? I'm sure that in that moment we realize just how dependent we are on Him. Just how independent He is of all that He has done and all that He continues to do. 
So let's look at and let's consider his unchangeableness. So when we speak of God being unchangeable, what do we mean? What do we not mean? Now I want us to think of a couple of a couple of a couple of things here. So like as I consider this, like as I think about this, like in what ways is God unchangeable? Right? And in what ways does he change? Give give me some ways in which God doesn't change. Hey, how does God not change? His word, his, his word never changes. All right. His unfailing, love his unfailing love, his character. How does he not change? Like, will he ever become dependent? Will he ever have need for? Like, like when we're speaking of his independence from what he created. Will he ever become less independent? Yes. Yes. So, so, so I want us. To, I want us to understand that God, in all of His character, is perfect. Right? He needs not grow more in His character. Where you or I are in much need of growth, God is maxed out. Right? God's perfections do not change. Right? So when we think about His love towards us. Consider this. Like I want, like like let's think about like like because I think that hits home for us because we know who we are, we know what we've done, we know how. Like consider that God, in His perfect love for you, loved you while you were sinners, and that love did not tick up one notch when you said, "Christ, save me." It did not tick up one notch. He's perfect in His love for you prior to any decision that you made. Right? Like His love is perfect. It does not grow. Right? Like get that. Like like sometimes we think that, well, is that a character flaw that you can't... Like because I would... Like if I told... Like Adrian knows me, Right? So if I told her I could never love her more, like she knows that's probably not true because she knows there's areas in my life in which I could grow in love, right? So if I said that I'm not going to grow in love, like like that that would be her looking at me as some there's a flaw, why does he not want to grow in love there? Why is he not right? But when I say that about God, that is because God is perfect and complete in that love. Right? He need not grow. Right? So his character, his perfections are unchangeable. Right? In what other ways is God unchangeable? There's a big one. His plan. And this is the big one. Do we get... Now here's where you're going to... Like you should. You should. When I say that God's plan never changes, what should you say? Yes. So this is the response to that, right? So like if God's plan is unchangeable, then why pray? Right? And here's another one. If God's plan is unchangeable, then why is it that I can seemingly point to Scripture that would say He changed His mind? Right? Like y'all realize that? 
that there are places in the text that would seem to indicate that God's mind changed. What is that? What's going on there? Yes. In whole, the plan doesn't change, but like in the moment. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, this is good. No, this is good. This is good. So, so like what we see in those things is is another part of God's character. Like God is personal and real, not distant from us. But but here's the here's the reality, and and the way that I think about it in my mind in those things is that God desires us to grow, and as part of that growth, we pray. Right? As part of and and in his plan that does not change, part of the actual working out of that is your prayer. Right? When Chelsea we saw the brain team, there was a trust because we knew this. We knew, but we also knew that he was right there in it with us and that his plan might be always this that we draw near to him. Yeah. And he broke he tore the veil that we could call him of a father. Yeah. And go to him for those needs. And that that was a big part of his plan. Yeah. And so when we have grief and troubles and and things that we can't understand, we are his plan is is redemptive. Like he redeemed yeah. us that we could be adopted as his kids, that we could participate with him and growing in our faith. Like he's he's sanctifying us that so we get to participate in yeah. that too. And that's his big overall plan yes. for our lives. But he's in the minute little details. Like Asa, uh, this week, he was very nervous. And his mom said, Friday morning she called me and she said, he's told me, uh, or Thursday... He's got to have the whole church pray for him about his basketball tryout. And um, she felt led to let everybody know that because she said that he he had that faith, that that was a small thing maybe to us, but for this kid that was a big part of you know his growth and plan. And I just thought about that, exactly what you're saying. We have a personal God. Had we just preached him as a distant God, like that had a plane, yeah. man, that's when you stop praying. Yeah. So, so God's plan, when and, and this is like, to me, this is a beautiful thing to consider, that before you ever were, his plan involved you, yes. right? It's unchanging, right? It's unchanging, he knows what you will, would pray. And He chose before He created anything that it would be upon your asking that that would roll out. Right? And in some cases, in some cases, He moves. And in some cases, He does not. Right? Because ultimately, He's working for your good. And He knows even when He should and should not move in accordance with your prayers. Right? And that's where it's important to have a foundational understanding of His unchanging kingdom. Yes. Yes. By knowing that He loves you unconditionally, not growing more or less, you can pray knowing that the results of that prayer are in His hands. 
Yes. Right? Yeah. Who God is because of this. Yeah. For either the yes or the no. God does work to build our faith in Him. And I believe God set that child apart. Yeah. You know, He's growing him towards. We, we grow as much through our failures as we do. Yeah. Yeah. Our that is my heart that that is his go to decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's the childlike faith I believe Jesus is talking to us about. Us, and that's, you know. Why he says we can't even enter the kingdom unless we have that faith in the child, you know, just cast it all on him. Yeah. Because as adults, sometimes we think, oh, that's too little. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I'll make it after that. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's flip to um, James chapter 1, verse 17. James chapter 1 let's look at verse 17 every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lots with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change so all that is good comes to us from God, and we can trust and we can rely on God. And, and the the reason for this, right, is that we know that in God's character there is no change, right? Like he he will not show you more or less favor, right? He he loves you no more or less, right? Because his character is unchanging, is unwavering. When He makes promises, His promises are sure. Because the one who made the promise does not change in His character. He does not change in His plans. Right? So God is unchanging in His character. And when we speak of His character, we speak to the perfections of His character. Right? Like He does not grow more or less perfect. He is perfect. And His purposes and plans are unchanging because He is unchanging. And He is wise and good and kind and He will see His plan to completion. Let's flip now. Let's consider God's um, eternal nature. Let's flip to Psalm 90. We're going to have to roll through these next couple kind of rapidly. So uh, flip with me to Psalm 90. And we're going to be looking at um, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So before creation, He was. After creation, He is. When creation is gone, He is. Right? Like He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is timeless in His existence. He existed prior to His creation of time. Let's now flip to uh, Psalm... We're going to flip over to Psalm 139. We're going to look at His, uh, uh, his, the, his omnipresence. 
So Psalm 139, we're going to be looking here at uh, verse 7 through 10. Uh, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If if I make my bed in Sheol, uh, or the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Where can you go that God is not? Can anybody answer Can anybody give me a place where he is not? Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Is there any place that he is not? Is it though? Like, 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 is there any place that he is not? Any place? Oh. No. So like, what, what, what we, so we said like, what, like, t- you said that yeah. 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 So Sheol will tend to be like, depending on your translation, will will sometimes get translated as, as hell. Other times, it'll get translated as the grave. Right, so this is in this could be considered probably in death. Right, so okay. Okay. yeah. Um, so when we can, what hell? Hell is the is the default that I think we'll tend to go to most often. What is hell? Well, you got the second death right there too. Yeah, so, um, but I think he's talking about the physical. Uh, you think he's talking about the physical death, or yeah? So he's talking about yeah. So there he's talking about death. But I want us to consider God's character in being ever present in all places, right? So like he's here now with us. True. Is he, is is his character lacking in any way here, or is his being lacking in any way here in this moment? Then how does this moment differ from heaven? Right, like as far as our being with God. I, I, I sort of see this as so, not like the spirits indwelling, like a like a tabernacle. The word you know, dwelt among, like dwelt in us. I see it as he is saying his presence, meaning his sovereignty over us wherever we are. Is that is consider this. So the psalmist here is saying is, is, is in his words saying there's nowhere that I could go. Right? All of the places that he knows he's listing. That there's nowhere that I could go where you are not. Right? Now I want us to consider this. So what exists that God did not create? Nothing. Is hell a created thing? Who holds it in existence? Like I want us to think through this. So hell will exist eternally. Why? Because God holds it in existence. Right? So hell exists. 
Because He will hold it in existence. Right? So here's the thing. Like, when I ask you, like, what's different between now and when you're in heaven? Right? Like, as far as, I mean, there's tons of differences. But specifically towards the presence of God. If God is in all places equally. Yes. So, like, what way does heaven differ there? God will be there, present. But God can manifest Himself to you differently. Right? Yes. Glass, yes. Yeah. Like our blinders will be removed right. in 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 some regard. We will see more clearly, right. right? And I would I would say that that's the case in in both heaven and hell. Right. Is that you? The character of of God is on display for eternity in both, right? Like in both like it is it is difficult for us to wrap our minds around, but when we speak about like specifically like the unity of God is that God is loving in his punishment, right? Like when God shows wrath, there is no separate part of God that shows wrath than love. Right? He's unified in that. So hell is one of those realities that is very difficult for us to wrap our mind around, right? Like there are certain things about it that are it's just difficult for us to put into words because we can't grasp, because we do see dimly right now all that's done. Like like when we consider the cross, we can't see the full effect with our sin-blinded eyes. Right? Like when we think about God being timeless and ever present, like I want us to consider this that God experiences every moment eternally because that's his character. Right? Every moment. God is present in both time and space eternally in that moment because that's his character. To God, a day is as a thousand, and a thousand is as a day. Right? In that moment, on the cross. God experiences that moment as an eternal, spaceless, timeless God. He experiences that moment no more like like when a, when something happens to us, right? Like time heals all wounds. What if you were timeless, right? What if you experienced every moment equally? Right? Eternally. God experiences every moment because He is eternal. Consider the cross as an eternal moment. Like we can't because we live in time. But consider what it would mean, right? Consider the weight of what God has done because He did. Before He chose to create, He considered those things, right? He knew his self. He knew his character. He knew how he would experience all of it, right? As a timeless, spaceless being who experienced every moment equally, right? Like we experience it through time. So time has this way of causing our memories to forget. But what if your mind was perfect? What if you knew every thought eternally? 
right? Like this, I think this shapes the way that we that we will that we will understand the the weight of grace, right? Like when we consider these types of thoughts about God's character and who He is and who He's always been, like I think that that helps shape us in some way to understand more of what He's done, more of what, like how how deep He how deep He embedded Himself in the creation that He had created, that He would experience those moments. Like it's beyond it's beyond it's beyond consideration. It really is. Like it's beyond consideration. So God is in all places at all times. He is unchangeable. He is independent. We are, and we we don't have time to go into these. I'm going to give you the verses if you want to go into these. Um, but if you want to see how we differ from these, we're dependent. Look at um, Psalm 23 verses 1 through 4 if you want to get a picture of our dependence. Um, we change, um, and that's a good thing for us. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 is a good um, a good verse to to look at here for hope for us to change. We grow in holiness, right? We grow in righteousness. That's good for us. Um, we're created. Let's look at. You could look at Genesis one one there. You could look at Genesis one and twenty seven where he creates man. Um, and we are local to uh, both space and time. Um, look at Acts uh, verses. Well, let's close with let's close with this verse. Flip with me really quickly to Acts chapter 17. And we'll, we'll just kind of read this and then we'll be done. So Acts 17. Um, we're going to be looking at verses 26 through uh, 28. And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, but that they should seek God in the hope that they might uh, feel their way towards Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being. Uh, Even some of your own poets have said, uh, for we are indeed His offspring. Um, So we find ourselves where we are because God has allotted this time for us, and it is wise for us to spend that time. Uh, seeking, uh, seeking out after Him. Let's let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've done. Uh, I thank you for your character. I thank you for who you are. Um, Lord, let us know you more. Let us let us uh, press deeper into our understanding of who you are and what you have done. I thank you for Christ. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the eternal hope that we find in you. Uh, It's in Christ's name for His glory. Amen.